faster, stronger, smarter. Coach Stephanie explores the art and science of ketogenic diets to optimize athletic performance. Welcome to the Keto Endurance Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Fitness Nerds Podcast. I have Abby Smith here. She's one of my clients, and she's had some pretty great results with her racing and training, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. So welcome, Abby. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for being here and for for having me here and doing everything that you do for everyone and and for me especially. thank you. So let's talk a little bit about why we started working together and you had wanted to train for a half marathon, but you had some medical issues prior to your training that you were working on resolving. Right. So um, when you and I met, that was in 2015, I think Um, it was at the Savory Conference in San Francisco and um, I was in the process of um, trying to figure out why after my daughter was born, I had um, severe migraines. Like I had always gotten migraines since I was little, but the the frequency and the intensity of them really ticked up um, after my daughter was born. And then also um, I had, I had lost, like my hormones were out of whack. I had lost my periods and I was trying to figure out what was going on. And so I worked with a functional doctor and, uh, MD, but she, she looks at the body as a whole system instead of trying to, you know, fix isolated parts and um, trying to figure out what was the root cause of it because I was um, really not able to, uh, it was really interfering with my life. I couldn't take care of my, my daughter and um, I was terrified mostly of going down with a migraine um, because I was completely incapacitated like a lot of people uh, may know who have migraines, it um, was completely debilitating. So, Abby, that's pretty scary. Anybody who's, I got a um, fever once when I was sick with my son and I was incapacitated and that was very scary for me. Yeah. And it yeah. was like, I was like, I can't get up to take care of him. So I imagine that would be terrifying. So you went and saw the functional medicine doctor. Yep. And, and- and what we, we, um, it's a series of tests. There's a, in functional medicine, there's a lot of emphasis on, on really getting to the root cause of something so that, so finding that out can take a lot of testing. And so we did a, a, a lot of things. We started with my gut health um, trying to heal my gut, um, worked on that, did a number of protocols. And as a last dish, ditch effort, my doctor said, well, let's just test you for heavy metals and let's see if you have um, anything there. I don't really think it's that, but let's just test anyway. And so we did, we ran the test and it came back and I was just off the charts, um, in lead. So I had like massive amounts of lead in my system that my body couldn't get rid of. And, um, we believe that was a big part of what was happening with me. So I went through a very, um, (laughs) really intense detox. And so this, when you detox from heavy metals, it's not, like, you know, you drink lemon juice for three days and you feel great and all these weird kind of things that we hear about when we hear the word detox. This is a real um, process of eliminating these, these toxins from your body. And it um, requires taking a substance that binds to them and then flushes them out of your system. And then 
that's so hard on your body. You have to take a lot of other supplements. So I remember the day that I started the protocol, um, I felt I took the little bit of, of the chelation, um, you know, agent, and I felt like I'd gotten hit by a truck. It was just, I just had to go lay down on the couch. It was so intense. And um, when I, I actually, so I got, you know, stronger and stronger as I went through the process, but I actually started training with you for that, um, my first half marathon when I was in that process, I was still in the process of detoxing. And what was um, fascinating to me about that first race is that I felt that I actually could heal, not just through my detox protocol, but with, um, I got stronger through that training. And I, I thought, okay, we're really onto something here. Like Stephanie's really onto something. <laughs> if, I could, if I could actually, you know, be in the process of detoxing in this intense way, and then also be, be getting stronger and stronger through training. Um, I thought, okay, we're, we're, this is something right here. And there's a lot of low intensity training sessions and when, especially when you're base building. So it's not yeah. like, um, it's, uh, a low heart rate. You can really, um, you're just moving your body and moving the blood and your system and moving. So it's like, um, there are some intervals, but it's not like crazy. Right. And I think that I, you know, I, I had run smaller races before, you know, before I was pregnant when I was, um, you know, like a 10 K or things like yeah. that. And I think that I would train like most people did. It's like, okay, we have to just go out and, you know, push as hard as we can and, and do these kind of things. And, and people get hurt. They get, you know, I, I, had, I got plantar fasciitis from wearing the wrong kind of shoes and training the wrong way. And little things that add up to a lot and make you have this negative relationship with exercise and with your body. And, um, and that was my past experience. And then training with you, I felt like I'm actually gaining health through training. Like what a concept. I'm not just training for a race, you know, I'm actually getting, becoming a healthier person. And Yay. yeah, that's the bigger <laughs> picture. So yeah. Well, and that's my goal with all my clients. I always put health first. I don't ever put the race goal first. Training should add to your quality of life. Right. And if it doesn't, there's something wrong with the picture. And um, since we're both on the same page of low carb, I mean, even before you started working with me, you were on that. And that's my thing. That makes a difference on how you train and recover is your diet too. Yeah. So if you are, I'm not obviously a big pusher of the goos and gels and, and that I think contributes to damage. If your fuel source is sugar, you're combating that damage all the time because mm. it's so inflammatory. So it's like, that's always a part of the training is combating the inflammation. But if you're not consuming all the sugar, you're not having to combat that part of the scenario. Yeah. And right. And I think that's why, you know, you had such good results is like, you know, you're, you're doing this big detox, but running and everything is just helping those metabolic processes, Lo running at low intensity. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you, um, later the intensities go up, but. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that, I think you're absolutely right that, um, I had, as part of all this, the protocols I was on trying to get healthy again, working with my functional doctor, that was how, um, I got onto, you know, really paying attention to diet. Um, and then, 
and I, I do think that is so foundational. Absolutely. So let's talk about your first time with running with the bears. Uh-huh. That was, um, you had good results, but then, um, and we'll talk about, so let's talk about the first race and then we'll talk about the second one. Yeah, the first one, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, it was the first time I, I had run um, that far at, in a, at a race pace. And um, I, I was, we had a plan that, you know, it was very steady in terms of like, um, you know, run the first five miles under a certain heart rate or just really watching my heart rate and um, focusing. Like, I just wanted to finish. I just, I thought, well, if I just finish, I would be so excited. So I did. Um, and I, I had... I felt like I ran a really great time. Um, I was, I, I don't remember the exact time. I oh, think and you know, I, I didn't have you in training peaks for the first race. Yeah. I so think, the, it, yeah, darn it. But you didn't, it wasn't as good as the second one. So no, the second one. And then the following year I, I ran again and I believed I ran that in one fifty. So then you decided to do the same race again a year later. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you got the 150 and then, um, yeah. and this one, you, can you talk a little bit about your race? Cause we, we actually recorded a podcast earlier after our second race, yeah. but my computer crashed. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, that one, that was super fun. Can you hear me all right? Yes. But that was the only two things that I lost. I had two podcast interviews. Everything else was, <laughs> but those two things, I was like, oh, I can't believe it. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, that was last August. I ran the second race and, um, it was, I I was very dedicated to the, um, training schedule that you gave. And then also the fat, fat adaptation training, that process. And so, um, during the phase of, of really, um, where you, there's a phase in your training where you really experiment with, with supplements and what you're going to do on the race, right? Because you always tell me, don't change anything on the race day. Don't right. try and do anything different. Yes. <laughs> you know, do it, do what you plan. So, so I thought, well, you know, I really, I want to try um, supplementing during the race and see how that impacts my um, performance. And I did a lot of experimentation um, with fat adapted type supplements and I just couldn't find something that worked for me. And so I decided to make my own little supplement. So I mixed together coconut oil and dates and pink Himalayan salt and um, kept that in a little baggie and just kind of ate it like my own form of, of goo, I guess you could say, and felt really good about that. Felt like the, the coconut oil just gave me like this just cleansing feel like it calm it was a calming like a cooling soothing sensation um you know and of course you don't want to overdo the oil like you've said but um (laughs) it it was somehow I got the you know the right just the right amount and um but what I noticed with the big takeaway for me from that form was is that from that race was that I felt like through the whole race I could keep good form I could keep my back straight. I could keep, you know, my legs under me and my, my arms in the right position. I felt really good about my form and I felt strong. But what I noticed is that a lot of people who um, started the race really strong and looking really good and going hard, by the end of the race, their form had just, I mean, they were just all over the place. And it was, it was shocking to me that, and I could see how not training properly and losing that strength and that form can 
cause you to get hurt because you're doing these strange movements with your body and you're pounding <laughs> around it, right? It's <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's how you know things are going south. You're like, if you're flopping all over the place, that's, that's not a good sign. I read a lot of the science of the literature on like race, sports nutrition. Mm-hmm. And there are some sources that have been funded by companies, industry, that say you need to take a certain amount of stuff and they are, um, they're just trying to get people to consume their product or consume more products and hopefully their product. Right. So it, it's, and it has nothing to do with, per, you know, your, well, definitely you're not your health, but, um, it's, it's not a good thing. It's just, it, it's very skewed. It's their intention is to dependent on their product. Right. And right. I, it's, I didn't say that very well. It just, <laughs> no, no, I think you're, but I think you're right. That happens way too, too much. Um, and we see that, that a lot in our work, um, in regenerative um, agriculture, but I, we, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but I, yeah, I yes, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's yeah. almost exactly the same thing. Yeah. They, they be, make uh, the consumer dependent on their product. Mm-hmm. Right. Or believing that, that, that that's necessary. Yeah. Like you said, necessary. Right. Well, and, and with, if you're, a sh- if you haven't trained your body to burn fat, you are dependent on sugar. You right. are dependent on those goos and gels because you don't have metabolic flexibility. Your body can't go from burning fat and burning carbs and back and forth. It's just stuck in right. the yeah. whole, um, you know, sugar roller coaster. And then people become hypoglycemic and then they get, um, you know, pre-diabetic and diabetic yeah. And it's all trying in, in an effort to be healthy, which is so ironic. You know? Yes, which is so sad. I mean, so sad. If you go to any half marathon or any race, it doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. About half the people there are overweight. That's I mean, amazing. Yeah, yeah it, and you know that especially a half marathon distance, you can not train. You can phone it in a little bit if you have a certain baseline fitness. Right. But if you would look at a marathon or an Ironman, nobody's going to the start line there without having to put in a lot of time. Right, right. And a lot of those folks are, they are doing what they're told to do to mm-hmm. eat right and they're still fat. That's crazy. And then yeah. there are some people look at them, well, they ha- need to have more willpower or they need to have more self-control. They train for a freaking Ironman. They don't need more willpower. They need better advice. That's right. That's so <laughs> true. <laughs> so, yeah. They train for a marathon. They don't need more willpower. They have willpower and dedication and, right. and focus. They have all those things. They're just getting really bad advice. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Man. Oh goodness. Abby, I can't find the running with the bears, the race. Oh, I just, uh, I know I have too many. Um, I don't remember the date of it. It was August. It was late August, August 20, 20th. Let me go to the training peaks is a wonderful application, by the way. That's, yeah. that's been don't really, I do. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. So, okay. I'm in, and it was 2000, August, 2017. Oh, you know what? I, I ran into a blank area, but that's because you weren't training for something for a little bit. 
you were, um, you had a month, like a month or two off because you were deciding what to do. Right. Here we are. Oh, it's not in here. Where is it? Hold on. I have race day. I have the workouts before. You didn't sync your workout. Darn it. Darn on it. the race day? Oh, yeah. no. On the race day, you did not sync that workout. Uh, dang so. it. Um, <laughs> well, I remember it was a 150. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and, and you finished, you were the first in my age group, group third right? overall, and eighth for the whole race. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty exciting. Pretty yes. awesome. Yeah. And to do that and feel really strong and was yes. amazing. Really I, amazing. I tried to use your picture for a Facebook ad um, uh -huh. and I put little happy faces circles over the other girl. <laughs> and, and so they wouldn't, you know, cause I don't know them. Yeah. And um, one of the girl's shirt uh -huh. has a strap across it and she has, it's a yellow shirt and you can uh -huh. see like a, an outline of a breast. Oh, and Facebook rejected it because of that. Oh my gosh. How silly. You oh cannot have anything that looks like a breast apparently on Facebook ads. Oh, oh very, there you go. <laughs> even, okay. even though I'm like, she's wearing a shirt. She just, she's on the podium of a race and they're like, nope. I know she's a woman, but oh well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, apparently, I don't know. That's, that's so strange. So I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's so ridiculous. But so let's, um, going on. So you decided like, Hey, I had a great race and yeah. I want to train for something else. And actually you didn't right now you're in this blank period too, cause you're deciding what to do. But then you started training, um, late August for the San Francisco half marathon, right? The rock you, and roll. Yeah, yeah. The rock and roll half marathon, which is pretty hilly. Did you do mm -hmm. any of the little happy exercises I put in there, like, oh, I, yeah. like the mental okay. focus. So absolutely, I, so absolutely. In, in the happy training schedule, the happy marathon, happy marathon or half marathon training schedule, it has like a mental focus and it, it tells you something to focus on for the race. And so here's one of them, um, focus on past achievements. We've all won awards and done great, great things in our life. We have also done things that we regret and are embarrassing. It's easier to remember the things we regret than our achievements. Today focus is to focus on those achievements and how they make you feel good and be thankful for your gifts that you give to the world. Mm. So that's just one of them. And then every day, and it's, I call it the happy training schedule because it's each of those mental exercises are designed to train your brain to make happy chemicals. Right. Right. And I, I remember you saying, and then I, um, I learned that I'm doing a limbic system rewiring thing yeah. right now to help, um, you know, continue to heal. And, um, it, it supported what you had said in that you can't, you can't have both. You cannot be stressed and happy at the same time. Like it literally cannot physiologically happen in your brain. Right. You're either so, going to make stress chemicals or right. happy chemicals. So you have to yeah. pick one. And if you train your brain to pick one, you're going to have more happy chemicals. And you're going to be happy more often. Yeah, it's so, true. Yeah, so it was great. I would always do it. Yeah, I, I followed the training like a very dedicated student. So I did all of it. <laughs> and it pays off. So Yes. Maybe that's why you're so fast. I don't know. Yeah, I know. But There's the, no negative energy holding me back. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sorry, are you there? No, yeah, I'm here. The um, yes, and so the the it doesn't say in the workouts which one it is, but it, each one focus is either to excite dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, or um, endorphins. Mm -hmm. So those are um, that's what it's trying to do. Yeah, it's really it's cool. It's a really neat idea, and it's such a. I mean, why? why don't we think that our, our brain and our mental, our, our emotional state has an impact on our performance? And of course it does. And yeah. it's really great to incorporate that into a program intentionally, I think. Yeah. And it helps with recovery. Cause that's, um, that's what you're trying to do. Your, your body is still, um, training is a stress on your body mm -hmm. and you're going to produce stress hormones because you are training. <laughs> right. and, 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 but if you are, if you want to recover faster, the faster you can start making those happy chemicals, I call them happy chemicals, um, that your body's going to bounce back faster and it's going to recover faster. Cool. No, it makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. And I, that's what I've, I've loved for the three races I've done with your training programs, I've never had any injury or any, oh gosh, I feel like I should knock on wood or something, but Don't I have knock on wood. You're not going to get injured. <laughs> no, it was me. And it, that's so great to feel healthy and strong. And, and, um, yeah, it's, it's just great. I remember when I was training for, uh, endurance sports, but I was following the, well, I still train for endurance sports, but all, all cycling stuff now, but the, um, there's this uh, commonality of people who are, they're always tired and they're always like, oh, I have to drag myself out of bed to work out. I have to drag. And that becomes sort of a normal part of the culture and injuries. Injuries are a normal part of endurance or in the endurance training culture mm. that, uh, <clears throat> And I'm like, it shouldn't be like that. You shouldn't okay. feel tired all the time. Your training should add to the quality of your life. You shouldn't feel like you have to drag yourself out of bed all the time and like, you know, slug through a workout. The workout should make you feel like they're adding to the quality of your life. Yes, I agree. I agree. And I feel like mine definitely, definitely did. That's, yes. Cause yeah. after your race, you're like, I feel like I'm going to miss something. If I, I know I do. I was, I was really sad. Like, so like a friend had, had left, you know, when <laughs> I, was, I was done with my race and Janet with the training program. It's like, well, well now what, you know? So, uh, well, she's, Abby's still deciding. I don't know if yeah. you've decided yet what you're going to do next. Yeah. I, I know I, I want to do a trail run for sure. We talked yeah. about and and I just need to pick the one. So it'll be sometime in August. And so I'm still just narrowing down which one exactly and thinking through the logistics of all of that. But yeah. 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 And just remember like for everybody listening, you only get one a race a year and every, well, for my clients, you can, <laughs> you only get one, maybe two, you can have two a races, but usually just um, one. And then you anchor everything from that. Oh, and that, that means, so an A race is like your best race? Yeah, your, your best race. Yeah. Yes. And you're, I mean, cause you only, um, you usually only pick one race at a time. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, there you go. I have people have two A races a year, but not, um, because you have to do the, the cycle of base building or, mm -hmm. and, and part of it is, you know, that, um, prep phase and the base building is that low intensity that's building a good foundation to 
build on. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the build, that's when you start testing your nutrition and testing what's going to work for you. And you should have it figured out before race day. It sort of um, makes me a little insane that uh, people like I tried to drive home that whatever you're doing in the build phase, like whatever you you've tinkered with enough and you're like, all right, this is good. I look at my power numbers. I look at my pace numbers. I have the fastest pace, lowest heart rate on the same route uh, with this nutrition. Mm-hmm. And then that's what you stick with for race day. And then you don't change it until you get to do another race. So it's um, so can, smart. Oh, yeah, so smart. You yeah. can test it out in certain races. You can test it like, hey, I'm going to, this is a B or a C race, and I'm just going to use this race to test my nutrition. And that's mm-hmm. okay. And I think we even did a couple like um, test races for you that were not, they weren't races. They were I just, did. yeah, because you were, right. This is just to, to, because you weren't signed up for anything else. So we did a little mock races. Yeah, I did one in February. I had trained yeah. and trained and built to a, um, and I did like a, I ran a race by myself out it was, in the it was nowhere. <laughs> it was, and I loved it, but it was, um, yeah, it was, it was good. Um, yeah. So it's, <clears throat> so now let's talk about the San Francisco yeah. half marathon. Cause you were, I don't know that your pace was faster, but that was, was that a hillier race than running with the bears? It was, it was. Yeah, I think my running with the Bears pace was 8.23 and my pace in San Francisco was 8.16. And so, and I, so I finished a 148 something, um, which, which is my yeah. PR. So yeah, it's so, very good. Yeah, super exciting. Yeah. Yes. yes. So sorry, go ahead. I would love to, like what you told me when we talked after your race, mm-hmm. you were talking about people running up the hills mm-hmm. and, and, um, and you're like, I just don't understand why people ha- slow down so much. I'm like, this because they have to. <laughs> right, right. I, uh, so I, I live at um, about 5,000 feet is elevation. So when I'm training, it's 5,000 and then up, right? If I'm going to run a hill, I'm going up even higher. And I think that um, for me, training, I trained through the winter too, which was, and I hate running on treadmills. So I always ran outside, even if it was cold, you know, not like really, really cold, but if it was cold, it it didn't, I still ran outside. And I think that just made me a little bit tougher, Uh, just the like consistent, sticking with the consistent training program and then also training at a higher elevation. And so when I went to um, literally to the sea level, like we ran over the Golden Gate Bridge, which was so amazing. um, I think that I just could recover quicker. I could get more oxygen. I was used to training at a much higher level. And um, I think also mentally people think, oh, there's this hill and I'm, I, I don't know, but you could just see people really lose it when they would go up the hills. And there's, there's several hills on the course. I mean, you start out, um, you start out at Fisherman's Wharf and you just immediately go up, up a hill. And then, and then there's a big climb out of the Presidio up onto the bridge. And I, I just didn't feel the need to slow down or to really, change my pace when I hit the hills and I felt really strong, which boosted my confidence. And then of course I'm passing a lot of people up the hill, which made me feel <laughs> even better. So I think so much of it is mental about, yeah. you know, and um, yeah. And then I think that I think running with 5,400 people, you know, I'd always, the races I'd done before were small, fun, little, like smaller races, right? Hundreds of people, not thousands of people, but running with 5,400 people and all starting 
you know, there's, there's corrals. So you don't literally start at the same time, right. but, but basically, I mean, that's just this most amazing energy. And I, I think that that fueled me as well, just picking up on all of that. And I just love that. I, I just feel like runners are really happy people and I don't, and, and kind, good people. I, it's probably a, a really <laughs> silly stereotype, but, but I just think like, well, maybe, yeah. And then they're there on race day. So that's a happy time. You right. know, like I've trained for this, it's race day. And yes. I love the energy around races in general. Yes. I don't do, um, I do mostly cycling events now and they're a lot smaller and mm. there's still sort of a buzz and it's fun, but mm. it's, there's nothing like that, you know, going to pick up your packet and that sort of nervous energy yeah. and, and all going to all the little booths and looking at all the stuff that people have. Although yes. I was like, don't buy anything new. <laughs> you can right. buy stuff, but don't, don't, don't use anything new. Right. But, right. And they give you so much stuff too at those races and it's so well sponsored and, um, it's amazing. So I, and I think, yeah, it was, it's, an, and it really, and it's just what I, um, I always tell my daughter, it's like recess for adults. Like we need time to play too, right? We need to get out and play. And, um, I think that that's, you know, that's part of it is that just, it's just so much fun. Right. And just loving the moving your body. Yeah. I think that exactly. that's what a lot of folks um lose when they're older. I um I went to a, a retreat a couple of months ago and there are a lot of people younger than me and I took my bike and nobody's bringing their bike to this thing but I yes. and I were up late and then I got up in the morning, went and rode my bike, came to breakfast and then, you know, put it around and one of the girls was like, you have so much energy and she's 10 years younger than me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, cause I move and, <laughs> and, I eat, and I eat. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, you know, 10 years ago, actually when I was doing the peak of my training before, when I, um, before I found keto adaptation or fat adaptation and eating that low that high carb diet. And then I tried a vegan diet because I, you know, Scott Jurek is like super fast. I thought I'm going to be like Scott Jurek. Well, I was not like Scott Jurek. <laughs> I got injured and fell apart, but uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> but that was a great lesson for me. Right. But it, I feel better now at 48 than I have in my whole life. And I think that mm. I want that for everybody. I want people to as they get older to feel great. I mean, do you, I think we talked and you said you don't have, sometimes you occasionally have migraines, but not like you used to. No, um, definitely not like I used to. I, um, it's been a, I, I think healing when you're, I, so what I, um, I have a, a, an autoimmune condition. I think that was a big part of it. The lead was contributing for sure. Um, but the body is incredibly complicated or complex. Yes. And I think there's so many things that we don't understand. And I think also I grew up in a generation where we, we have this instant gratification, you know, not so much as like, um, you know, younger generations today, there's this, you know, instant, instant gratification, but there's, I had this, this concept that, you know, you, you just take something, you take a pill, you take something and you get better and you, or you solve the problem and the issue goes away. And the reality is that, um, things are slower. It requires more patience, but you, you actually develop true resilience and true health 
through that process if you can stick with it. So um, the migraines have subsided greatly. And um, so if I do get an episode, it's like, it's maybe, maybe two hours long and I can go through it without taking any medication or anything. Um, but I have been like this month, I've been completely migraine free um, and feeling really, really strong and, and really great. So so that included the trip, the race, the trip down to the Bay Area, changes in altitude. Like people, like so many things can trigger migraines for people. But yeah. it, and um, you travel quite a bit with your job. I, I mean, travel, travel a ton. to other countries like Africa. Right. <laughs> so. Yes. 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 So, <laughs> so it was. It's. It, I. You know. I kind of speaking of that. I. I have because I. Um, that's why I love running is that I can do it anywhere, right? And I go yeah. to these really neat places. The only place I've been that I couldn't run was in Kenya because there was water buffalo nearby and they, the Cape Buffalo, and they're very, very mean. And so they did not want us out running around the Cape Buffalo. So uh, that was, I think that's probably a smart plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, but it was, um, we did some hiking there, but not, not a lot of running and, but everywhere <laughs> else I, I could, I can run and it's, you know, from like the streets of London to dirt trails in Zimbabwe. And it makes me, it, I'm just so grateful that I can do something like that literally anywhere. I mean, you just need a pair of shoes really, and you yeah. can go. So, yeah. And it's, I, what I like about having sort of a training plan and, and I usually have my bike, but you get to see an area from a different point of view totally. than if you are not out there doing it. That's so true. So true. Yeah. yeah. And you get I, to be outside. I mean, yes. I'm, a, I'm an outdoor person. I, even when I go out to eat, if there's a patio, I'm like, I want to sit outside. I don't want to, I don't want to be inside. Totally. And I think that running or, or training for something gives you an excuse mm -hmm. to like, Hey, I got to go outside. I got to get my training run in. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry. I have to train. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have a race coming up. Yeah. 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 I'm going to be out in the mountains for a while. I'm sorry. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I do love that part of it. But um, the, um, so going uh, when you were talking about it takes a long time to heal, I can relate to that. When I was at my lowest point was about ten years ago, and it has taken me just um, one by one. I could tick off things that were bad. So I, I, I gradually my asthma went away, and my allergies went away, my hormones became normal. And it wasn't until uh, in November on my last blood test that I finally had normal thyroid function. Wow. I mean, that was over 10 years. So wow. it's, uh, it takes a long time and it takes patience. And I can say that I'm, I'm not perfect. So I still go off the rails a little bit sometimes. And I'm sure you have moments where you're like, oh, well, I'm going to a birthday party and I'll have a piece of cake. You know, and, um, but it's not like as long as the, the majority of the time you're consistent, right. you're going to get better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, I feel like I went almost the other way. Like, like, um, I don't know if you've ever read any of Gretchen Rubin's work. She mm. does the happiness project. It's really interesting. It's all about like patterns and behavior and stuff. Yeah. Um, so she wrote the happiness project and these other books, but there's like, um, based on what type of person or like your general wiring, it depends on, you know, should you moderate or should you be like really absolute about things? Yeah. And I, I'm the type of person that's really absolute. Um, 
has to be like, it's just black and white. And I, you know, maybe I'm a Virgo and I'm into rules and, yeah. you know, and, um, but it almost was to a detriment. So that's, that's the complexity of our bodies and, and yeah. our, the way that we function is like, um, I, so to the point where I would develop a, like almost a fear of eating something that was outside of my, because it could trigger a migraine, right? right. There's a fear. Well, if you have that much pain, it's a pretty yes. valid fear. Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> okay. I, if I eat that, I'm going to be incapacitated for a yeah. couple hours. Yeah. I, I'm going to yeah. pass. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is like, um, I used to, drink a lot of like sugary drinks, not, not like sodas, but when I would have tea, I'd put like so much sugar in it. it was oh like my goodness. Yeah. And, um, I That's love, really horrible. Yeah. oh, it was horrible. It was hor- this horrible. Was like, yeah, yeah. This was before this was, <laughs> but you know, like for 29 years, I, I didn't care what I, I didn't know. I didn't connect what you put into my body to my health. It was just calories in, calories out, right? That's all that. Well, that's what we've been brainwashed to believe. Right. And and that's what is marketed for that very reason. Like, oh, it's okay to have a Coke. Right. As it's, long as you go and burn it off. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And in, in, insane. And I, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I loved carbs. I ate a lot of um, cereals and things. And, but after, changing my diet for a while I would dream about pancakes (laughs) like have these dreams at night about oh did I eat did I actually eat those pancakes and then it and then it all went away (laughs) so strange but then I just now I have no cravings like none it's just I mean it's been years and years now of eating this way but um it's gone like I don't I, I don't have a desire but I think it's something to learn your triggers but I only for me it's a delayed reaction like I feel my stomach feels bad and I'll feel like crap for a day or two yeah. so it's not like I'm gonna be if something was like oh somebody's gonna hit a hammer on your head I would probably be a little more strict <laughs> right 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 exactly it's like well the, the the repercussions are pretty intense and um but there's something about eating that is such a social um yes thing that it's really i think we're just wired to be i don't know it's in that communal space or or something but um it's the hardest part for me, especially during my transition was in social settings because you want to be joining in yes. with what everyone's doing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's probably why I have such a hard time with it still. I yeah. mean, I, I'm good like 98% of that time. Mm-hmm. And thankfully I've healed my body enough that like when I do something like that, I can bounce back pretty quickly before right. when I was still pretty sick. If I ate crap for a day, like it would take me out for a week. Mm-hmm. And totally. I was like, but I've like got a little, like I have more resilience now okay. and hopefully I'm going to continue being re- more resilient. Mm-hmm. I have, I have a funny story. Like I think eating this way also makes you younger looking. I was talking about my husband, we're planning, you know, sort of budgeting towards his, his retirement uh-huh. and she's like, retirement he's like yeah he can retire at 55 and i want him to be able to do that if he wants to you know mm-hmm. it's good to have that choice like he can get his pension yeah. at 55 mm-hmm. and he, he's like um and the girl was like what did he rob the cradle i'm like <laughs> what? what no <laughs> <laughs> he was like he's a year and a half older than me and she's like 
really? And she's known me for a couple years and uh-huh. she thought I was about 10 to 15 years younger than I am. That is so cool. Yeah. yeah. It is amazing. It I is was like, amazing. oh, that makes me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. You de- you definitely do look very youthful. I, it's, it is amazing though. I think it, yeah. it is so much what you eat, right? It's yeah. And, 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 you, and you sleep and you're right. It's your eating. I think it's your mental attitude too, because we put out like how you smile. Are you smiling? Are you making eye contact and how you hold yourself and athletes, people who exercise tend to hold ourselves a little better. Although cyclists can become a little hunchback because you're always bent over on a bike, but, (laughs) but uh, the, um, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I think that it, that made me feel really good. And a big part of it is the diet. Totally. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I will say that, um, because I've, I travel so much with uh, work and I have a really restricted diet. I have to get, I have to really plan and be really creative about it. And I, I do, um, I'm happy that there's been such a demand for healthier food because it's so much easier uh, oh, did I lose you? Oh, sorry. Yes. There's, it's, just, it's just so much easier. Yeah. I've noticed in the last two or three years. Yeah. The last two or three years, it's been so much easier to travel and eat better. Like there's, there's Epic bars, there's, you know, there's all sorts of things or products that you can take with you that um, have made my life a lot easier because if, you know, just depending on airplane food, I couldn't no, eat, you know, no. you can't, you can't you just be practicing intermittent fasting. <laughs> yes, I would. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and a flight to Africa. That's a long fast. <laughs> it is. That would be, oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. That'd be a little too much. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, the, and bone broth, like I, there's all these, all this bone broth on the market and it's just, it's amazing. It's yeah. Amazing what products are. Hopefully that trend continues. I know the paleo, you know, uh, search term is getting, Uh it's sort of, um, I think becoming a little diluted, but LCHF, low carb, um, like low carb is becoming, and ketogenic is becoming more popular. Yeah. Ketogenic and low carb, they all push real food. Right. So it's basically, it's just a paleo diet that has a few less carbs. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to pull up Google, Google Trends and look. Uh-huh. We're almost running out of time, but we, I know. I don't know. So Google Trends, let's do paleo diet. But the vegan movement is he, sort of huge right now too, which mm-hmm. is sort of, frustrating because vegan diet, I personally think is not good for people or the planet or right. Yeah. Right. And that's, if you listen to my other podcast, which I haven't edited, I'm going to get that up soon. Um, it's, uh, has, uh, Abby and Spencer talking about their work, Mm -hmm. how they're saving the planet. <laughs> doing our part, yes. Yeah, how okay. they're doing their part to save the planet. So the paleo term, let me see, like let's check the last past five years. So it's gone up, but then it's sort of leveled out. It's it's pretty level. Hmm. And then um it has spikes here and there, but then we're gonna compare that to low carb or ketogenic. I love Google Trends. Mm, so interesting. Yeah. So interesting. So, yeah. 
ketogenic diet was lower, but it's going up. And then so the trend is higher. Yeah. 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 Well, the trend is going up. Or it's paleo's level. Actually, it's mm-hmm. dropping. The actual trend is dropping, but um, mm-hmm. ketogenic diet. And then I'm gonna do low carb. And then low carbohydrate is slow. My computer. I'm online. My computer. And then low carb is really rising a lot. Mm, like really? it's like taking huge jump. It sort of follows the same trend as the paleo. It's sort of interesting. That is really interesting. Yes, yeah, so the 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 little peaks and valleys are the same. But I wonder if it's the time of year. You know, mm-hmm. because let's see. Here's a peak that is in. Um, December, of course, January diet. Oh, sure. Right. Yep. Yeah. And then, um, oh, that's still just, dis- oh, it's each year because this is a five year trend. <laughs> so there's a spike every January. Every, yeah. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But so it's, uh, but it's on the rise. Like paleo is becoming a mainstream word. I saw some bacon in sprouts that had paleo on it uh-huh. i was like right. well yeah all bacon's paleo but <laughs> right. unless you have too much sugar then they probably wouldn't buy it but right. um it's you know that the, they're advertising as that a paleo thing and then you know you talked about epic bars like those are yeah. huge yeah and now there's other meat bars on the market you can buy other meat bars yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely um yeah i I know the founders of Epic, Taylor and Katie, they're friends of ours. And so I feel, I just feel such loyalty to, to them, but they've done, they, and they're very um, mission aligned with our values. And so I, right. if you buy an Epic bar, right. Yeah. So they, they source definitely all grass fed and then they do as much as possible, holistically managed and regeneratively sourced um, meat. Right. So, so yeah. when you listen to my other podcast with Abby and her husband, Spencer, I'll, I'll put a link to it, that that one talks about regenerative agriculture and why you want to be picky about the meat you eat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. It's harder. It's harder because the supply isn't as, as available right. as it is as conventional meat, but right. um, it is so important because of the impact on the land. Right. And what, but the, I like to say you buy the best quality food that you can afford right? and even grocery store meat is better than buying a bagel. If you can only afford like that 10 foot tube of Winco hamburger that you divide up, that's like, I think 188 a pound. Wow. And uh-huh. freeze it. Yeah. It's pretty cheap. Yes, <laughs> that's pretty cheap. Yep. I think it's, I might even be like, more than that, but I'm just using that as a scenario. And then you divide it up and you cook up that Winco hamburger. That's still going to be better for you than eating a bowl of pasta. Yes, I agree. I agree. So it's like, you know, make your choices wisely. Yeah. If you have the budget to buy source really great meat, then, then do that. And if you don't, then don't beat yourself up about it. No, because I don't do that. Yeah. Just raising meat production puts the profit incentive for more people to do, to raise animals. Right. You know, that beef production has dropped. I think it was, I was watching the movie on Netflix. What is that movie called? Um, the pill movie, hmm. the magic yeah. pill. Oh, uh-huh. Oh, that you, if you have Netflix, anyone who's watching this, um, watch that on, uh, on Netflix, the magic pill. 
it's all about how our, um, our culture, just like you talked about, like people think that a little pill is going to save them and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And just give me one more pill, one more pill. But if you change your diet, you can get rid of those pills and you can feel better and look better. And for, you know, my athletes, they can perform better. Right. They, so that's, that's the goal is yeah. to have better performance, stand up on the podium. Mm-hmm. Like Gabby. <laughs> yes. Yay. And then, uh, you know, I was telling you like your pace now, that's like a Boston marathon qualifier pace, but yeah. right now you have so much on your plate. So that's probably too big oh. to swallow, but oh, maybe I- in the future. Yeah. It, what is the pace that's required to qualify for Boston? Yeah. How old are you like, again? I'm 36. 36. Boston Marathon um, qualifying times. Um, 8.23. Oh, so I ran an 8.16. Yeah. But you wow. have to do that for... Uh, uh, 26 miles. 26 oh. miles. I don't want to take up all your time, but thank you so much for talking yeah. to me. And I just love yeah. training you and yeah. working with you. And I love all the stuff that you and Spencer do. So I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much. I am so grateful for you and everything you do and all the joy you've brought into our life and health. Okay. Oh, yeah. that sounds so nice. <laughs> so, yes. Thank you, Abby. And so if, you're, yeah. if you want to look at what... Abby's business does. I'll have a link. It's called the Jefferson Hub and it's a Savory Institute hub for holistic management. Right. And um, I'll have a link to the podcast and you can find out sort of amazing things about how Abby and Spencer are saving the planet. Would you like your own success story? Then join us at www.ketoendurance.co slash fit. Thank you and have a great day.